on today's episode. As a kid, as a little kid, I always wanted to be an Olympic champ. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time that's good wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness welcome back to the show Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get into this episode with Steve the Bear Mako, two-time national champ, once at Oklahoma State, once at Iowa. Who could say that? Not many. Maybe he's the only one. 2008 Olympian, and now he's the head wrestling coach at American Top Team, trained the likes of one Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, Dustin Poirier, and the list goes on. So sit back and enjoy this episode as we take you to Coconut Creek, Florida. But before we do, quick shout-out to our fan of the week. It's Buck Watkins, Buck underscore Watkins. Give him a shout. Give him a follow. Buck, thank you for the support, and keep on listening, brother. Now, let's sit back and enjoy this one with the bear, Steve Mako. Steve Mako, welcome to the podcast, my man. How are you? How's it going? It's going great, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. If we go back to back to Bergen, New Jersey, or North Bergen, New Jersey, back in the 80s. That's where you got your start in wrestling. I mean, kind of talk us through how you got involved in the sport and kind of what that progression was like from when you started to how you got to Blair. Yeah, I, uh, I was lucky. You know, my brother wrestled. Uh, he's a lot older than me. You know, he's, uh, he's 11 years older than me. And um, so I kind of came up around him. And, and you know, he was just, he was just kind of like, getting involved, uh, you know, he, he had a, he had a really good team. He wrestled for Fairlawn that they, they had a lot of studs. Uh, it's so crazy. Cause one of the guys on his team is down here now and his son comes to, uh, our club. And, and when we go up there, they go to his club over there in, in New Jersey. Um, but yeah, it's, wow. it's, uh, yeah, we had, we got a lot of, uh, lot, lot of good guys to look up to, you know, uh, on his high school team, and then and then on his college team, I used to go with this high school team as kind of like their mascot, kind of like just sitting around all the time <laughs> in practice. And then uh, that's kind of how I started. You know, I, I went to their their local rec, uh, then went to a bunch of clubs in the area. I went to a lot of different clubs. Really fell in love with the sport that way, and um, you know, then started wrestling in uh, in, in high school for St. Benedict's Prep in Newark. And then I wind up transferring to Blair after uh, my sophomore year. You know, I just won junior nationals, and then when I went to Blair, I really like opened my eyes. It was like a, it was a, it was a, it was a great experience. A lot, lot of, lot of, you know, 
but Buxton, he's 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 a he's a he's a uh, professional coach. You know, he's a, he's always coaching. Uh, you know, even at Blair, I always said I always tell people that he's a D one coach. You know, everybody he's coaching are D one kids. They're just a lot younger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so he definitely was used to dealing with uh, you know high high caliber talent talented athletes and and making sure that they push themselves. You know, which which is hard to do, especially at the high school level. You know. Uh, I think that that prepared me for my true freshman year to wrestle D1 without redshirting, you know, because he definitely made sure that I was pushing myself on a daily basis. Well, and the maturity to live in a boarding school when you're 13, 14, 15 has to be a big change. You know, I can't even imagine what that's like. And, you know, I think saying that Blair's a boarding school is putting it lightly. It's one of the elite institutions on the East Coast, super wealthy place. I mean, was that kind of a culture shock for you to go from North Bergen to uh, to Blair, where you're wearing uniforms and, and suits and shit every day? Yeah, man. Obviously, obviously, it was it was it was, and, and it was like, but it was a good, in a good way, you know. Like I, I really felt yeah. like uh, I felt like it was like it was it, man. It was, it was it was good, you know. Like uh, the teachers, the people, they were all very positive. You know, the experience was 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 awesome. But it was you lived with shock. had to be man. I mean, you lived with uh, Esposito when you were there, right? Yeah, yeah. We lived we lived in a in a dorm uh, with a bunk bed and a couch, and, uh, a dresser and a closet. It was tight. It was tight in there. We lived for two years. Me and Zach. Me and Zach had been been friends for a long time. We both wrestled for the Edge. Um, you know, I I kind of ar- around the time of like when we were coming up in elementary school, Zach's brothers were like kind of star wrestlers uh, you know Zach's brother Dave and Matt and, and Pete they were all like you know like kind of the examples for the younger guys in the club you know got it so we, we had known now each other first, for years the first time I heard Zach Esposito's name I was really young but there was this guy from Illinois Israel Martinez Izzy Style which I'm sure you know him um, yeah I know Izzy wrestled, yeah I mean that guy so I grew up in, in Illinois and you know, at the time, he hadn't started Izzy Style yet, but his dad ran this club, Martinez Fox Valley Elite, and it was like one of the elite clubs before there were like academies like the Edge. But um, he wrestled yeah. Esposito, I think, at like the Esquire. Cadet. Yeah, and he beat him. And I, because he he was supposed to go to Iowa and then went to the school in Idaho, a junior college, and one out there. But yeah. that's the first he time actually, I heard about he Esposito. Actually, he actually moved to Iowa City and and lived after. Like he went to he, he won JUCOs. Moved to Iowa City, and he actually lived with me and my cousin Pete for like a year. No shit, that Iowa City. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. That Iowa team. Yeah, it's, if you, Mark Perry, and Izzy would have been there. Woof, man. That yeah, been, uh, we, freaking... we, we were all in the room at the same time. Me, Mark Perry, and Izzy. Yeah. Man, that's a guy, uh, Izzy, who's. I mean, he is so uh, – he's just a, such an interesting cat, man. He's done so much with wrestling. I know he's at out in New Mexico now, but still runs the, the, the club out of Chicago. But that was the first time I heard about Esposito. And, um, obviously, he went on to be a multiple-time national champ, coach at Oklahoma State. Um, so, like, growing up, you're around all these great guys. I've read that your dad would drive you out to Foxcatcher even, which is mind-boggling to me that know that you were out at, at Foxcatcher. Um, but you were also involved with a guy that a lot of people don't know about, Roman Rudiman, who yeah. multiple times to Blue Sea champ, 
I mean, talk about that a little bit. Cause I don't think anyone knows that story. Like who was that guy and kind of, how'd you come in contact with him and what did he do for you? Uh, well, I, I met him, uh, I, I met him th through, uh, my brother at the time was training at Fox catcher, uh, part-time. So he got to know Sh Dave Schultz pretty well, you know, uh, at the time, I think he was he was crashing on Dave's couch, which was you know not uncommon. A lot of wrestlers did. He was really open that way, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, that got, we got to know him, and um, he, I think he took Joe one time because we live close to the NYAC. We live right on the border of New Jersey and Manhattan. So he took uh, Joey, and, and I came with them, and, and my dad into the city. Uh, my dad had worked out at NYAC as a kid too. You know, he had like trained there. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of they, they met Roman through that, and then Roman had a club in Fairfield called the uh, the NJAC, and 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 uh, you know Schultz Schultz told uh, my dad he was like if you if you, you know like keep him with uh, Roman because he's uh, you know he's very talented, he's a special athlete. Uh, Dave had known Roman from like back in the day, competitive. I think Roman was coaching that in Poland when Dave was competing and they had trained together at camps and that. So, uh, you know, at a, at a, at a you know, uh, you know, like I think nine or 10, uh, years old, I, I started going to his club in Fairfield and then basically just kind of latched on to him, kind of went wherever he went. That's kind of why I went to St. Benedict's because he was a, he was a gym teacher there. So I like, you know, he 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 would uh, I would go to the high school practices and, and we'd work together after the practice or during the practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, he was he was I a mean, very very good technician, awesome coach. Probably spent more time with him than than any other coach. You know, like because stayed with me all the way up until uh, you know uh, till through two thousand eight, even after two thousand nine. You know, he had he had he had passed on. He had a heart attack. Uh, Thinking like 2011 or 12. Yeah. But, but uh, awesome guy, phenomenal human being, man. Made, made a big impact in my career, uh, in my wrestling style, 100%, you know. He is one of those guys where, because of the Soviet and communist time, you know, the political scene, and from what you read, he wasn't allowed to get out. But, I mean, the, if the guy won Tbilisi multiple times, you know he was an he absolute stud. And, I mean, I know he beat Russ Ellison multiple times. Uh, he was a four-time Medved Grand Prix uh, champion. Uh, won to Blizzard. Like beat the Peterson. He won the, yeah, yeah, beat Peterson. Uh, beat Russ Ellison. Uh, he beat uh, a lot of other guys. from the, I mean, he, he won the USSR, I think, one time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was hard for him to get out. There was a lot of anti-Semitism at the time. You know what I mean? And And... Yeah, he had a couple close matches, uh, and they just kind of went with the other guy. That's kind of how that that goes sometimes, you know, over in those countries. Yeah, the selection process isn't like what we think it is here, where it's the tournament and the winner goes. It's a little more, a uh, little more handpicked, so to speak. But I mean, yeah, everyone knows that the best wrestlers are in Russia, and more specifically, they're in Dagestan and Ossetia. And so the fact that, and I think he was from. Belarus maybe but the fact that you had someone like that working with you every day man that is just an incredible opportunity an incredible advantage that was all set up by your dad which you know he was super influential with you and worked you pretty hard and 
you know, like when, when you were 11 years old and the family was broke up a little bit, is that when you decided to say, hey, I want to be an Olympic champ. I want to be a national champ. As a kid, as a little kid, I always wanted to be an Olympic champ, you know, like I, I always like watch the videos and stuff. And, and you know, as a, as a young kid, I remember listening to the uh, tapes with uh, with, with uh, Lee Camp and, um, uh, oh man, I'm slipping on the name. It's, he was a doctor, he was a sports psychologist kind of before the, the time. I think he's like uh, Gilroy, maybe. I'm, I'm, I could be messing up his name and I'm sorry for butchering your name, but it was awesome. I got his <laughs> tapes at the edge. And um, Lee Kemp was on it, and they were just, like, talking about it. it was way back in the day before sports psychology was even a thing. And it, it was it was phenomenal. Uh, and I remember listening to Lee Kemp, you know, like, making chairs in his house and, and, and pretending like he was winning the gold medal. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to do that. So even as a little kid, I was, like, thinking about the Olympics and, and jumping up on, like, a chair, with you know, like, and it was, like, a second and a third place chair. You know what I mean? But wow. when my, you know, like when when that hole went down, that's when I really focused on like winning and and being really competitive and 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 making a name for myself when I was, you know, eleven or twelve years old, you know. And the the fact that the sports psychology wasn't even a thing back then, but you were exposed to it early, kind of reminds me of like Mike Tyson said that when he was like fifteen, Customato would like hypnotize him almost and play these tapes to him over and over and over, and he had him close his eyes and listen to this guy kind of kind of pumping them up so that was kind of similar to what you were doing at a young age as well yeah man it, i can't i can't think of this the, the, the guy's name it's on the tip of my tongue but it, it was awesome lee kemp was it was like this doctor was taking lee kemp through his sports preparation and adding stories in and and um you know different different facts and studies and and, and also different experiences of other athletes that he's worked with and, and man, it was it was awesome. It was all it was like a force tape thing, and this was like a tape deck thing that like comes in like a book. You open it, and you know like there's four on one side, four <laughs> on the other. It was like eight yeah. cassettes. You know what I mean? It, it was cool. We, and we traveled a lot, like you were saying. We we used to drive to like the Ohio State Fair. We would drive to Battle Creek, Michigan, Amarillo, Texas. You know, we, we would drive to all these tournaments in the van and stuff, and wrestle different places. So he put those tapes in, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was, it was good. But that was like my first experience of like thinking about the Olympics and stuff, you know? So did visualization play a big role in your wrestling career? Yeah. Yeah. I think it did. You know, I think it did. I think, I think, uh, you know, visualization is, is a, is a, is a good tool. And I think I used it for most of my career. So let's, Let's fast forward a little bit. So I'd love to see how it plays in here. So your freshman year, you come into Iowa. Everyone's talking about, you know, the mock, the Bears coming to Iowa City, and it was awesome. And he wrestled Rollins twice at the Big Tens and the Nationals, and, and he got the better of you. But then your sophomore year, you beat him every time. So talk about, like, coming after the Nationals your freshman year, what would you, like, visualize about the Rollins match? Man, Rollins is, is a tough – tough opponent he's always been a tough opponent uh we wrestled a lot um i always knew i was gonna have a tough match anytime we met each other uh he you know my, my freshman year i came up a little short you know i just had to get off the bottom and i, I couldn't really get off the bottom and that kind of like really motivated me going into that sophomore year you know like 
I basically, you know, probably was good for me in the in the big picture because it's like, you know, I think I, like I, I found like a new gear and training, a new gear of like being into into something because I was like really into wrestling after after falling short that freshman year. You know, like that was 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 my main focus. You know, you know, and uh, you know, yeah, it was good, man. And and we had a good match the next year. I think we wrestled like two or three times. We didn't more wrestle in the finals that year because he had an ankle injury. But but mm-hmm. I, I was visualizing us meeting in the finals again because he was uh, he was that good. You know, he, he wound up getting injured and defaulted. I think he like tore something in his ankle or or or, or did, you know he had a bad injury in his ankle. So right. but, but you know we didn't meet up in the finals. Uh, but but uh, that's what I, I was thinking that you know that we would you know. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, for two guys to wrestle that much um, had to had to be in your mind. And you know, after your, your freshman year, like, kind of, how long did it take you to get back on the horse and and say, all right, screw this, let's get back going again? Yeah, I didn't achieve my goals, but I'm ready to get back after it. Um, and the reason I, mean, I right after is, that, really, yeah, man. You just went right back at it. I was just going to say that I, I always wonder how long kind of it takes for that to, to kick in. Cause we were talking to Jaden Cox and his junior <laughs> year, he lost to Snyder in the semis and kind of, you know, didn't do what he wanted to do. Um, same for John Reeder. He had a junior year where he didn't, didn't get it done. And, you know, it's always interesting to hear different guys talk about kind of what that process was like Tuesday after the nationals when they're all alone and there's no people around and it's real quiet. And, kind of what that moment of no return is to get back on the horse. Man, I was, I was kind of down, really down on myself, um, really down on what has happened. Um, Brian's kind of was, was watching me. He's kind of worried about it a little bit. So like, I mean, that night we went to sauna, did like a hard workout, which honestly was like therapy for me. Cause it was a distraction. What was going on in my head? Um, and then we got back up to Iowa City. Uh, yeah, and I, I started I started training, you know, like pretty pretty quick, you know. Like um, I remember he gave me a dummy and tell me to go up and down in Carver, and you know he didn't give me a number, so I just figured I would just come and you know do him until he until he came and got me. And it was like it was a while. We did I was out there for a good while, you know. I stopped counting. You know, I forgot how many I had done. And then, um, you know, he ran up to get me. And then he was like, you know, like, how could you not get off bottom if you could do that many uh, stadiums with a dummy on your back? You know, it was like one of those throwing dummies. Uh, wow. And uh, and he was like, now take a take take uh, the rest of the week off. I think this was like Monday, you know, like the, the tournament was on. Uh, it was like Monday morning. The tournament was on Saturday. I'll see I'll see you Monday, you know, so like took the rest of the week off, came back Monday and then started training real hard, you know. Literally a week later. God damn, that's savage. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, like I was in night? such a bad place mentally that it helped me a lot. You know, it helped me deal with it. It was almost like therapy, you know. And what was it? I mean, your sophomore year, you won an absolute terror. Kind of like, what was it like for you then? Were you just completely blocking out all our distractions, totally laser focused on, on wrestling at the time. I mean, would you say that was like one of your most focused years of wrestling? Yeah, I, w- I would say my, my sophomore year, I was, I was definitely, uh, 
the most focused, you know. Yeah, I was I was I was definitely focused on on, on improving and not fun scoring. Yeah, it was it was it was uh yeah, definitely. You I didn't must have, have been just in a special on, place, man. Yeah, you know, I was I was in a I was in a good place because I didn't, you know, I was a college kid. I didn't have too many, you know, other than staying eligible and and, and academics. I didn't have anything going, so I was just like able to really like make that the center of my life, you know. Absolutely, and going into nationals that year, you know, you're back at you're back at the NCAA tournament. It's Saturday night. You know, it's maybe two hours before your match. You had been there the year before. Like, kind of take us into, like, what's your self-talk like an hour, two hours before a match, and kind of what's going through your mind? Are you trying to keep it calm, or are you trying to get yourself fired up and, and ready to go? Man, my, my, my freshman year, I, I, like, I was over, I was too into it, I think, the night before. You know, I was thinking too much, like, all right, if he does this, I'm going to do this. So, I think mm-hmm. it, that, that, that kind of, like, affected me a little bit so my sophomore year i tried not to think about it too much the night before you know what i'm saying like i, I would do yeah. my workout and then that would be it and then uh tried to watch movies and like distract myself the night before you know what i mean that, yeah absolutely i mean it's a lot of some people prefer that versus just kind of overthinking it because it wears on you emotionally and, and mentally and you just get i mean you I, get I drained think, before I the match it affected me that that match you know like i needed to get off the bottom i had like gone over this you know hundred thousand times before you know the night before I, I didn't sleep but i was thinking about too much about getting off the bottom, you know, off the bottom. when uh when the time to actually do it your brain doesn't know that you're just that you're, you're not doing it you're just thinking about it you know what i'm saying yeah so you get it done that year and then you kind of surprise the wrestling world a little bit you take the red shirt but then you transfer to oklahoma state i'm a huge fan of, of both programs you know, john smith one of the the best to ever do it you may be Maybe not with Burroughs now, but at the time he was. How would you describe the differences between the Oklahoma State and the Iowa room? Uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of differences in the culture, right? But but there's not too there's not and they're not all that different when you actually look at what they're doing every day and um, you know how they're preparing themselves and they both want to win really bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the the differences I would say is more in the culture. Like one one is, um, you know, they 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 they're, you know they, they they focus a little bit on on. Yeah, uh, I would say that they're the same. You know, honestly, they're the same. If anything, they're they're just a little different cultures as far as having like Oklahoma State has a southern undertone to the culture. People are a little bit more relaxed, but the wrestlers train the same. The wrestling practice is very similar. And it's funny you say that because on paper, at least what you hear in kind of in rumors is that it, there is a big difference, right? It's more technique versus brute strength and wrestling, which it's kind of hard to believe that both programs aren't super technical. So I was really curious coming into this on what you, what you thought the biggest differences were. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the years that I will focus on, on brute strength and stuff, there was like their, their bad years, you know, like they got to be able to score points. You know, like the if you look at the their the best wrestlers like Mark Perry and you know Lincoln Macrovy, the brand the Brands brothers too. They had like phenomenal technique. Yeah. They work on technique every day. You know, like they come in with the guys they work with. You know, they train them, small groups, big groups. You know what I mean? 
They pick up right. technique that the team's struggling as a whole. They go over it in practice, and they wrestle hard. It's the same thing. Oklahoma State does the same exact thing. It's kind of crazy, you know? <laughs> it's probably interesting for you to get there, and you're like, shit, this is, this is more similar than I thought. Um, they both do strength and conditioning. They both run. They both do stadiums. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, at that level, there's only so much like wrestling you can do is to simple, achieve the simple sport. You know, it, 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 there's a lot of like different elements to it, but it's pretty simple. You know, it's like, you know, if you take him down, you score two points. If he gets away, he gets one. If you turn him, you get back points. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. And both coaches have competed at a high level, so they know what works and, and what don't work. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't think of two guys that are more intense than John Smith and Tom Brandt. Yeah, they're both super intense. You know what I mean? I mean, definitely. I think I think Coach Smith is is is, is uh, man. When I was competing there, he was like extremely intense. He wasn't as intense to the public eye, but like, man, like he was an intense dude. You know? How do you mean? Do you have any stories? Uh, anything that comes to mind you can share with the man, with the audience yeah, here? Yeah, a lot of stories. I remember. Uh, I forget. I think it was Michigan State. Uh, shit. Uh, I remember because it was similar to what happened at Iowa. Like, uh, I remember one time we wrestled at Iowa, I forget where, but they stopped the bus in Tipton. It's like a ways away, and they had everybody run from Tipton back to Carver to get home. You know what I mean? Uh, but it was similar. Like, I forget <laughs> where. I think it was Michigan State, Man. Oklahoma State wrestled there, and um, team did really bad. So, like, I think it was like midnight or one in the morning. The coach, coach Branch came knocking on everybody's door. Coach Pat Smith was the assistant at the time. He was, they, they came Wait, and like pulled Smith everybody out of their hotel. No, this is, this is uh, at, at Oklahoma State. Um, okay, okay. I was just saying it's similar to how they did it at Iowa where they made everybody run home from Tipton, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, yeah, okay. So what was yeah. the time here in Oklahoma? Where were you guys at? I think it was Michigan State. I think it was. Maybe it was Michigan. I don't know. It was a dual meet. We were on the road. We were in some, like, little hotel with, like, a little gym. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, a tiny little gym. Just barely, like, six different things you could do, you know? So, like, there was, like, 18 of us. They pulled the, everybody out of the hotel rooms. We went down to this little gym. It's probably, like, one in the morning. And and it was, like, it was it was rough, man. It was a rough workout. It was probably definitely a 10. He had them like doing kind of a circuit on the equipment there. Then they had them doing like push-ups and stance of motion. Then he had another group outside running. You know what I mean? Oh, and then, uh, shit. This is one in the they, morning. They were the rotating lady, through this. Like, what yeah, the hell yeah. It went on for, for a while, man. Uh, I remember because like it was on time. Like he was like clocking the time. It wasn't like Tabata's. It was like 30 seconds or a minute goes or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, and man, Espo uh, was doing sit-ups on uh, this old school, like, um, sit-up board. You know, the kind that you could, like, God, this is, like, a long time ago, so you could imagine what the hotel exercise equipment looked like, right? Um, Where you lock your feet in, though? You kind of put your feet in there? Yeah, you lock your feet in, and it's like a board, but you could slant it at different declines. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He did so many sit-ups, man, he, like, wore the skin out in his uh, on his lower back. You know what I mean? Like on his on his lower back, kind of like by where his tailbone's at. And man, we, they had to like keep an eye on it for infection until it healed over. You know what I mean? It was it was pretty funny. Dude, but, uh, man, but man, people don't know that about Coach Smith that he's that savage, man. 
man, he is a savage. He, but he, he, man, he's, he wants to win. He's super competitive. You know, it was, you know he, he, he doesn't play that as, as much out front, but, but it's in him. You could tell, you know. Wow. That's crazy. But he's a super and, good coach, man. He's an awesome coach. You know, he's awesome to wrestle for. I can't wait yeah. to, to get him on here eventually. I talked, I had Chris Perry on and kind of got some, some purview into it, man. But he's, he's just an awesome guy. And I just love hearing him speak. Anytime I see an interview with him, I listen to it like five to five to 10 times. I mean, I'm just, I love, uh, love uh, his philosophy on the sport. Yeah, me too, man. A lot of knowledge there, you know? Absolutely. Now you were part of some really great teams at Oklahoma state. Um, were you part of the run when they won four or five, right? I wrestled two years there, and they won both years that I was there. So I think it was okay. part of that run, yeah. So you had Esposito, you had Johnny Hendricks. Was Rosholt yeah. there as well? Yeah, Rosholt, Pendleton. Yeah, I think that year we had five champs. My junior year, we had five champs. Man, and... You know, Askren's very popular now, and him and Pendleton had some battles. Um, man, just all those guys there, that's insane. Pendleton, poof, I can't even believe it, man. So it had to be a lot of fun to walk into a tournament back then and just be the dominant team, kind of like when you were at Blair, where you guys would walk in and just crush everybody. Um, like, what what went into your move to, to switch to, to Oklahoma State? Well, man, I, I competed in 2004 to make the Olympic team. I didn't make it. And I was looking for, um, I was thinking about just moving to the training center. And, just and quitting going, college and you know, doing full-time freestyle. Full time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, my mom kind of talked me out of it. She was a school teacher. She wanted like, you know, she's like, you're already halfway done with, you know, get your degree. And um, at the time they had three Olympians, you know, they had, they had uh, Guerrero, Cormier, and uh, Jamil Kelly, right, on the Olympic team. Yep. So, uh, so like, I figured that I had a phenomenal freestyle program, you know, that half the Olympic yeah. was coming out of Stillwater. So, so that that kind of that kind of was my motivation for going there, you know. Yeah. No, actually, now that you say that, I kind of remember that's that's what what went into it, and then you end up living in Colorado Springs with Terry Brands for quite some time, um, and then ultimately made the Olympic team. Now. I know we have just a, a few minutes left, Steve. Just want to ask you two yeah. questions that I've sourced from some of my buddies here uh, in Chicago. They were pumped that, that you yeah. were coming on, man. So the first is, what uh, what went into your decision not to go into uh, like a full-blown MMA UFC career? Uh, no, I think I, I did. You know, like I definitely did. I had a bad neck injury after um, – Okay. After uh, I think my one well, of my last fight, I had a I had a going into it, I had a pretty bad neck injury. Started uh, getting numbness and and, and atrophy, and and, and uh, kind of was my my I pulled back trying to figure out what was going on with it, and um, you know uh, that's kind of why I stopped fighting. At the time, I didn't know if if, if I was going to coach MMA or if I, or what I was going to do, but that's why I stopped competing. I had a I had a pretty bad neck injury. But, I, but, leading up but at the that, time, though, you were, like, thinking this could be something i go full into because Kane was doing it. I mean, you, you placed higher than Kane every year at yeah. Nationals, so, okay. No, I was fighting in the WSOF. Uh, 
I, I think it, after that fight, they were talking about maybe I was going to get one more, or maybe a title fight, or, or maybe then. And uh, it was before the PFL. They, they were called WSOF. And then maybe try and go into the UFC or, or somewhere else, you know, like try and go to a different organization. But, uh, you know, like I think before the, that fight, I kind of hurt my neck training and uh, never mm. really recovered. So after it, I spent like a lot of time trying to figure out what had happened, you know, like I, I was like basically trying to like figure out what was injured. I knew something was wrong. It wasn't quite right. Cause I was losing strength and, uh, you know, uh, what my, my body wasn't working right. And then I found out later it was, it was a neck issue, but that took some time to try and figure out, you know, there was a lot of shit I was trying to, took a few months. And then, um, when I found out it was a neck issue, I was like, I just basically was like, ah, you know, I'm, I wasn't really making kind of money to train through something like that. And I really didn't want to get the, the procedure to get it fixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just pulled back a little bit. I was, I was going to try and, Look for a coaching job, maybe somewhere or something. And then ATT, the the, the people at ATT uh, said, "Hey, man, why don't you just stay on and help guys out, coach wrestling?" And I was like, "Absolutely, you know." I mean, what an awesome job! And and also, I'm a fan of the warm weather. Even though I live in Chicago, I used to live in California. Can't beat the weather in Florida, man. <laughs> coming no, from a yeah, coming yeah. from a New Jersey guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I miss him, man. You know, I like all the time. I toys with me about like you know get another fighter but i think that never goes away you know yeah i was gonna you say know, I, someone who was such a i always like think so about long. trying to like get another wrestling match too here and there like a dual meet or something like that but I, I don't think that shit ever goes away i think it's always in the back of your mind it's just something that you live with you know man i mean like like i was saying you're such a competitor how could it not go away i mean if we were to organize some kind of duel man i I'd love to. Who'd your your dream matchup be? Would it be someone like a, like a Gable Stevenson or like a Snyder? I mean, who who would you who would you have in mind? Any 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 of them. If it made sense, like it was a good match, uh, I, I, I would I would I would I would be interested in it. You know. Call Jesse James. Let's call Beat the Streets. Let's get it set up because next year might be a little light since it's the Olympic year. We might need to pull some guys yeah. out of retirement to get them in that duel. Yeah. Um. So, second to last question is, I don't know how much you still follow Olympic freestyle wrestling. I'm sure you do, but uh, got to have a couple of predictions from you, man, because, you know, the Olympics, there's only six weights, and we have some studs at the upper weight. So, if you had to predict our Olympic team from, like, JB up, right, because Dake might come down, and then at Taylor's yeah. weight, Cox, Cox might go down or he might go up. Like, if, if you had to say now who the Olympic team's going to be, like, what would it look like for you if you had to put put the Steve Mako bet somewhere? Man, I, I think Lake, Lake is going to break through. Uh, I think he, he, they're talking about him going up, though, right? I thought Dake was going down to Burroughs' weight next year. He's going to go down and to Burroughs' weight again? I think so. I, I, mean, he, I mean, he's got a hell of a match coming up this weekend with Derringer. That's a good match. But Yeah, that'll be a good match. But you think – so right? How good are these guys yeah. wrestling now, you know? unbelievable and like derringer might be the best wrestler in the world that way because he's been so active dake hasn't wrestled since yeah. the world last year so it's like how can you say that dake's still number one i mean he he is but derringer's been killing everybody you know so yeah um yeah it's gonna be a fun fun well we'll go backwards let's go backwards i think Wazdowski will be the heavyweight probably you know like he's 
He's, he's pretty much claimed that spot. Mm-hmm. No one's coming close to him. I think Snyder, obviously, be the be the guy. You know, uh, what if Cox and it gets kind of hairy, right? Cox might go up. Though. I, I, he, see, I had him on. He, he might go he up. Might go up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna beat Snyder. I don't know. Maybe, you know, okay. I'd be very surprised if he beats Snyder. Okay. You know, has Cox ever beaten the number one wrestler in the world at the weight underneath him? Don't know about that. That's a good question. I don't think he's wrestled. Yeah, it's Donnie Tarati from Iran, so I'm not sure about that. I mean, Taylor's number you know one right saying? now, but Tarati, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would go with Snyder. Then, I mean, it'd be hard for me to pick between uh, Cox and Taylor. I guess Cox had his number before, right? Uh, but it was close, right? Wasn't it real controversial? Yeah. They uh, they went best uh, of three in 2017, and then Cox went up after that. But then you also got Derringer coming up, too. So that's going to be a tough wait, but you would have to say it's between Snyder – and I mean, not Snyder, between Cox and Taylor. So who do you got there? I, I, I would say uh, – I would go with Taylor. You know, I, I think Respect. he's okay. you know, he, he won a world title, you know, and he's he's maturing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would go with him, you know. But, and then last man, hypothetical. Say, they're both Jake so good, Burrow. you know. So good. And then, it's like there's so many guys who aren't even, like, Bo Nichols really good. Derringer's really good. If he goes up, that's going to be such a loaded weight. It's crazy to me to, to even imagine. Uh, my, my brother and I are going to Olympic trials next next spring. I can't wait for it. Last last prediction for you: If Date goes down and wrestles Burroughs, who do you got there? Man, uh, it's hard to pick against Jordan Burroughs, you know. Like, but if if Date's gonna be the next Jordan Burroughs, he's gonna have to beat him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. but like, man, I can't sit here and I wouldn't bet on on uh, on that one. You know what I'm saying? You can't. He's, he's already, you can't. He's I mean, these are such close he's, matches, he's man. Yeah, but but uh, if Dake's gonna be that guy, right? Like he's he's on the trajectory of being that guy, right? <clears throat> Now's the time, you know. Um, yeah. So last thing for you, Steve, as we wind down, I ask everybody this: is if you had to look back on your whole career in your life, you know, how would you say wrestling has impacted and shaped your life, and like what has it taught you over the years? Man, I honestly, like. Um, I think that that it's taught me so many lessons, and 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 at a certain point, it kind of became my life. You know, like that's 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 who I associate associate myself with, and uh, you know, um, that's how that's how I, I feel like I'm a wrestler, and that that's it. You know, like uh, the lessons I learned from it, and 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 the people I've been around, and and all that is such a positive. And then you hit to a certain point where. That's it. That's your, that. It's kind of it becomes your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no separation between something you're doing on the side versus that is your your whole life. All of your thoughts, all of your effort goes towards that one thing. It's been a real uh, a real pleasure and honor to chat with you, man. Like I said, you were the guy who I look, a lot of us looked up to growing up, and it's been awesome to watch your career. And I love seeing the UFC fights when you're in the quarter, man. So we'll look forward to that and. Just thank you again for taking some time to join the podcast this morning, brother. Appreciate hey, man. It. Thanks for having me on, man. That was a lot of fun. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.